Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. Rick returns. Yay. Uh, I'm excited to have Rick Rosie back on the show. Uh, if you don't know Rick, person of many things. <laughs> we talked <laughs> about this stuff. last time. Yeah. Stuff. We don't know how to yeah. describe it. But co-founder of Pi, co-founder of Built Oregon, on just a staple in our business community. So Rick, thanks for uh, hopping back on the show. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute, I really enjoyed the first time and it's a pleasure to be back. Well, let's, let's get into it. I think, you know, one thing, I want to talk about, you know, what's kind of going on in the investment and startup community here, but I want to talk about some of your work. That's probably a lot of how you started is really around the blog and the newsletter. Yeah. You've been doing, yep. How long has it been going now? It's been 15 years wow. now on the blog and um, the newsletter is slightly less than that. Okay. I had a really good friend who was the co-founder of Pi along with me, a guy named Jason Glassby. And he is, and I say this to his face, he is the laziest person on <laughs> earth. And so he's like, it's really too much effort to read your blog every day. Could you just send out a newsletter at the end of the week? And I was like, okay, I can start doing that for your sake. So it's probably been, I mean, I think I'm on like episode or issue 670 wow. something and I send yeah. it out once a week. So yeah, yeah it's been a while. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if I'm on the newsletter. I go to the site to read it. Good. So I need to. I appreciate that. Okay, I don't know which one's better. I should do both. <laughs> yeah, I don't just... know. the The newsletters are really nice. Like I, the newsletters are really great way to summarize yeah. for folks, but it also gives me the opportunity to just kind of look back at the week and be like, yeah. oh that happened, you know, what trends are we seeing? I can be a little reflective. So I really enjoyed the process of putting the newsletter together. And then it also gives me the opportunity to highlight upcoming events and those Mm -hmm. kind of things that bring the community together. So it has a little bit of a different function than the blog Mm -hmm. itself. Well, I mean, it's a lot to keep up with. And you took like a, an intentional kind of break from writing it. Mm -hmm. And it was nice that you set the stage for the, you know, the folks like us who are loyal readers. So can you talk about that? I mean, it, it was shorter than I thought it would be, <laughs> which is good, but yeah. It, it, yeah. I happy to talk about that. I, you know, I, in tech, it's kind of become a custom for people to take sabbaticals or for mm-hmm. companies to offer sabbaticals for people to recharge. And I had kind of gotten to the point with the blog where it was habitual but I wasn't sure I was still having fun with it or was still mm. motivated to do it. And so mm-hmm. that I was really just testing that. Like, did I miss it? 
did I, you know, and I did. And there were times mm. while I was trying to take a break where I'm like, oh, I'd really like to write this up, but I can't because mm. I'm on break. And so it was good for me. And it kind of reminded me why I do it. And it's, it's my way of processing what's going on. And yeah. even if I'm the only one reading it, that's fine. I'm just trying to figure out what's happening in the community. And, and that's my way of capturing it. Well, it's interesting you said that, like, even if I'm the only one reading, which we all know that's not true for you, but it's a good mentality to have. Maybe it's, I think it really shows that you still love doing it. Yeah. And and, and it keeps me out of the, you know, I think it's very easy. Anybody on the internet realizes this. It's very easy to get pulled into like chasing likes or views or, or those kind of things. And that I didn't want that to be my motivation. I wanted capturing things that I felt were important to be the reason I was doing it, whether they get page views or not, or whether I get newsletter subscribers or not. And, Mm -hmm. and so I just kind of wanted to step away, refresh my perspective and now come back to it with a better understanding of what I'm motivated to write Mm -hmm. about. So did that happen? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Like there's a, there's some stuff where it's, it's super interesting too, because when I started the blog, there was really no one covering that level of content. And right. today, you know, I think the, especially Malia Spencer and yeah. now Demi Lawrence do a fantastic job at the, at the Portland business journal of covering a lot of the startup activity and a lot of like, here's who got funded or like, here's what's going on. And so it's really given me the freedom to say they wrote it better than I could go read their stuff and mm-hmm. let me focus on things that might not seem newsworthy for their publication, might be too early or too tangential or whatever. And so I think we we now have enough media covering the space that I can I can really focus on those things that I find interesting, not yeah. necessarily feeling obligation to cover every little thing. And instead, just saying, you know, link to Malia and be like a read her blog. It's much better kind of thing. Huh? Though, well, that's yeah. I think you should speak about Portland Inno, which I, I read too. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think you definitely. I know they put in other markets, the business journal, similar, I guess, format, but definitely inspired by you here locally. So I guess it's cool that you, you said, I don't know if you said this or I'm just interpreting it. You felt freed a little bit about some of the yes. stuff you can pursue. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cause I mean, it's, it's more people paying attention to the same space and catching things that I might miss and, and mm-hmm. vice versa and enabling me to, again, kind of chase stuff that might not be terribly newsworthy at this mm-hmm. point in time, but mm-hmm. maybe Five years from now, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing that I wrote about that thing because it's become something entirely different. So right. um, it gives me a lot of creative liberty, given yeah, that yeah. there are other people paying attention to the space. Yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying, because I mean, a lot of that is like it's news on funding or, or things like that. And yeah. I think that, like the spirit of yours has always been like this community and connection. And, you know, I think it's good jumping off point what you just wrote about one of the recent kind of threads you put on your site about the difficulty of what in Portland of connecting all that. Yeah. And (laughs) there's so much, I mean, I don't know if you can talk about it to give people more context. I I can't. uh, Yeah. I I mean, I think the, the challenge and, you know, folks who live here, I think they'll recognize this as well, but, but folks listening from, from outside of town, like I always refer to it as an, 
aggressive humility that we have here, which mm. means there aren't a lot of people that are like terribly self-promotional. Everybody's fairly accessible. Like they don't have a, a big head about anything and they're like, oh yeah, we can find time to grab coffee or whatever. And I think that's a very positive aspect of the community and I really appreciate it, but it also prevents us from doing things that communities would traditionally do like larger networking events or finding ways to get people together or kind of artificially creating an environment for connection. And so because of that, if you're new to Portland, like a lot of people are since the pandemic, like it's really difficult to figure out like how to crack the code and how to get connected. And, and I think in the same vein, I don't, I feel like we need to constantly refresh like, I don't want to just reboot stuff that used to work in 2017 with the hopes mm -hmm. that it works again now. Mm -hmm. It would be really nice to see people come with fresh ideas and and new ways of creating events and gatherings and and things that bring the community together because we need we need that kind of fresh perspective to keep things moving in the right yeah. direction. Yeah, the aggressive humility because I've heard from people who moved here from other you know cities that I've known from like previous jobs I've done mm -hmm. is that, like you said, like Portland folks are like, get a coffee, very open, but also there's like, it feels insular in a lot of ways. Yes. Yes. Right? And very silent. I think. Yeah. Like, like there's so many interesting creative industries in town that rarely if ever talk to one another, like right. tech doesn't talk to food and they don't talk to apparel and like, they don't talk to, design and yep. marketing like it's it, it, but if you're in that if you're in one of those silos you feel connected mm -hmm. but there's not a kind of broader bridging of those different silos and and because of that it's again it's sometimes hard to figure out like who should i be talking to or, or where do i start to get involved mm -hmm. yeah i think there's also this part of portland someone uh i knew moved from new york and it was organizing some smaller kind of business I guess they're focused on marketing and then she was saying, she said she lived across the country. Portland has the biggest like attrition of no shows for events. Yes. And it's just totally surprised her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and that's a, that's another positive aspect of the community. <laughs> it's so funny. Like we have so many like negative repercussions of things that are, that are actually quite positive and, and charming about the community. And and I try and, you know, inform event organizers about that. But the, to, in Portland, to RSVP to an event does not mean I'm going to show up. It means I really like what you're doing and you should keep doing that. So I'm giving you a little kudo that you you decided. It's like to a do. social media like. But don't expect <laughs> me to be there. That's not yeah. what RSVP means to me. So, yeah, it's it's very it's very challenging from an event or or organizer standpoint to really understand how to make that work. And I think the other, the other aspect of that is, you know, culturally we're used to getting a lot of amazing stuff for free. We can go to the coast or we can go to Mount hood or we can do whatever else. And we kind of expect that in our events as well. So finding mm. ways to like charge for events and like make them actually sustainable and resilient is another interesting hurdle to try and deal with here in Portland. Yeah, I mean, it's my world. It's what I do. What I, do. I host these very small events. And I, in the past couple of years, 
so they were by like function for like CFOs, you know, from corporations and stuff. And I would get sponsors, which I still do some of those, but I also started where it's a paid membership. And uh, it was yeah. like pain for me to, for, I think I was more myself personally to get over that hurdle of like, oh, I'm going to ask people for money. Like <laughs> this feels yeah. wrong. But mm -hmm. I think what I've learned is you're going to get better engagement, but even the people that pay for it, I'm still getting like 40% of people to show up, which right. is interesting in itself. Like you're paying for something. So that's a whole nother separate conversation of the people <laughs> that organize events like you yeah. and to a much bigger extent than I do. Um, it's, it's interesting. So yeah, I don't know what it is about Portland with that. There's just a lot of like, just a lot of dynamics at play that, and then, well, that can be frustrating to people. I think it's also yeah. because, you know, the, the entire West coast has a fairly similar ethos up and down the coast with some slight differences by metropolitan area. So I think there's also a lot of self-selection Mm -hmm. that goes on and you know the the hustle might occur in the bay area or seattle but people wind up in portland because they're not interested in the hustle or, or that mm -hmm. kind of thing mm -hmm. and i think that can be confusing to people when they when they move here from another spot on the west coast and they don't understand why we behave so differently but. <laughs> that's you know why we love being here though it's like we're, exactly. a, we're an yes. enigma a little bit i want to bridge that to something but real quick totally random fact you mentioned the oregon coast i recently found out do you know damian lillard has never been to the oregon coast that is odd <laughs> he said it in an I interview find, yeah. they were asking him about it he's like i've never been to the oregon coast <laughs> yeah that, i i mean people i now in in dame's defense yeah. i probably don't go as often as i should but the fact that it's there and i yeah. know that it's and i could go there if i yeah. wanted to like maybe that's just where he's been he's like i could go but i'm not gonna go or i didn't find time yeah. to go it's kind of yeah. yeah it's it's one of those where just the proximity at times is enough of a of a thing <laughs> You're mentally have been there a bunch. Yeah, right. I know. I know what the coast is like. Yeah. So I, I've, I've been there. <laughs> I just thought it was the weirdest thing, but also <laughs> kind of makes sense if you're, you know, Dame Lillard. It's like, why don't I just go to Cabo or something? But right. <laughs> sure. Okay. So well, let's get into some news. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you follow business news, just not that macro wise, macro wise, you see all these tech layoffs and it's like, what is going on? I don't know. You know, people that aren't in tech, it's kind of foreign a little bit because a lot of things kind of still going waits maybe for a shoe to drop but how has that i mean you know people work for these companies that are based here in portland what are you hearing like how are people reacting to it in the kind of smaller tech community here yeah that's a great question um and i saw a great piece i think it might have been in the new york times or the new yorker or something that was talking about how Gen X, which is my generation, is kind of dealing with this whole situation much differently than millennials or Gen Z who hmm. have never encountered this before. And, you know, for me, I, this is now my third major economic downturn in the U.S. And, and during the dot-com bust, which was my first one, I was super naive and like, it was really scary. And I was like, what's happening here um you know it, unlike today 
you know, whole companies would disappear overnight. Like it wasn't just a company layoff. I don't layoffs are horrible and awful, but the companies seem to be surviving, um, which is a much different thing than I've experienced before. But in Portland in particular, I'm always very bullish about these points in the tech world, especially locally, because it often is that nudge or motivator for somebody to try something new or to start something new because not because they've been comfortable, but because, you know, we for, for a tech community and startup community are fairly risk averse. Mm -hmm. So if I've got a good gig at whatever company, it's very difficult for me to say, I should just stop that and go start something new that may fail and, you know, burn through my retirement and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And that can be really challenging for folks here because it's just not part of the culture. The culture is more, you know, get a good job at Intel, get a good job at Nike, like stay there forever. And, and so these points in time, like people kind of get that freedom to say, well, maybe this is a good time. For me to try this or maybe you know maybe i got some severance and so it gives me a little more runway and i can mm -hmm. kind of you know dabble with that thing that i've been thinking about or explore some new ideas so i you know downturns in portland are always when those big companies are big companies for portland uh, are, are started like yeah. they, they start at this point in time because of that dynamic hmm. and and so that's that's the positive the negative, I think, is, you know, back to that risk aversion, like that also plays out in the investment community in Oregon that, you know, maybe maybe not willing to take as big of risks as some other regions or maybe wanting something to be more proven out before they're putting capital into it. Right. I think the challenge now is like, that's not just Portland, that's everywhere is yeah. being more risk averse. And so uh, for those people who are building kind of venture scale businesses, it, it may be more difficult to find the capital they need mm -hmm. to build those mm -hmm. businesses. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it, you know, it's again, cyclical, like the yeah. things had gotten really, really crazy. Like valuations were insane. People were raising hundreds of millions of dollars six months after they'd already raised hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. So it it needed a correction, and the correction mm -hmm. is now occurring. I don't know. What I don't know is kind of how long this lasts. Yeah, because the the other dynamic you have at play is all of these companies went public during you know the last three mm -hmm. to five years. And, um, and there were companies that were already public and the dynamics of the street are very, very weird. And so we may get in a situation where tech companies continue to get beat up for the next mm -hmm. six months or so and have to continually kind of reduce and, and, and try and extend runway and that kind of yeah. thing, or, you know, try and uh, have better performance. Um, so it's always hard to tell how long it's going to last, but we should also be pretty thankful that we had like a 15 year run. That's the right. longest bubble I've ever been part of in, in tech. Yeah. It's funny just as like humans, how we just kind of just go with it. Right. You know, now yeah. you see all these big CEOs like, Oh, we overhired. It's on me. I'm sorry. It's like, ah, you saw this coming, right? <laughs> you should have. Yeah. I feel yeah. terrible for the people been laid off. I've 
been laid off and it's, 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 it sucks. Uh, uh, but I, I thought positively spin on it. It's a great time for folks to maybe follow that idea they had, or maybe hopefully there will see an uptick in business formations. Or the, or the, you know, that we've seen a, a really impressive growth in non-technical founders starting to find tech ideas or, mm-hmm. or using, using available tooling off the shelf to like build, cobble together something that will function, but probably isn't kind of a scalable yeah. solution that they could go to market with. That's the other part of this is it really unlocks that technical talent that may not, you know, may not have that idea, but if you are a compelling founder who can kind of sell the dream to, uh, to a technical co-founder, then it can be those times where those, that makes that talent more accessible Mm. to you than, Mm -hmm. than when you are competing with Google or Amazon or Microsoft for that talent. Really good point. And I want to get your, like a policy take from you. And this is a little wonky, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I don't know if you read, like, I think it's FTC is trying to maybe get rid of Mm non-competes. Yep. I've always been, I hate non-competes. I don't know if you've been locked up in one. It's just, I thought it's just the shittiest thing. Yeah. And obviously there's ways, even if there's a non-compete for companies, it still holds you to certain things like non-solicitation and and of course trade secrets, which I think is all reasonable, but I am so for getting rid of non-competes. I think California doesn't do them. Uh, the one that yep. it doesn't, I not, I think Oregon is moving towards that anyways, but what's your kind of thoughts on that and for startups? And I don't know if you have a take, if not, no worries, I do, but. I do. I think it's, I mean, I think it is, it is a kind of artifice to protect those people who can afford the protection, right? Like, and, and if in a truly free and dynamic market, it, it should be the the best ideas and, and the, and the, you know, the best solutions that are kind of winning the day. And I, I think that the elimination of non-competes should only accelerate innovation and, and activity. I think that's a really good thing. I I think similarly, the, um, the kind of, uh, you know, wage transparency activity we're starting to see as well is another really good indicator of, you know, more just general transparency in the market. And I think that's always good too, for people to have a better understanding of like what is actually happening and, um, you know, how, how things actually work. Yeah. And, And the more we can do that kind of stuff, the better. I think on the negative side, there's also the the kind of assault on what had been one of Senator Biden's pieces of you know Section 230 that like protects mm. and and really created social media, right? That said, mm. you're not as the as the corporation, you're not liable for things that people post to your right. site, and and that's coming under some some assault from a wonky standpoint, and that concerns me just because. <laughs> That created such, I, I don't even think they knew how much freedom that was going to create mm-hmm. in the industry for people to build solutions and people to engage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's been taken to both positive and horribly negative, uh, you know, extremes. Yeah. But but it, the, the, the ethos of that section of the law itself, I think, is correct and, and provides that kind of protection that 
certain platforms need to engage in the community effectively. Yeah, I think, a lot, and especially around Section 230, I think a lot of the hate is really targeted at a few companies too, right? It's yeah, Facebook. Totally. And so, and unfortunately in our society, that's, uh, that's what gets all the headlines too. So yeah. I, I, yeah. And people don't have the nuanced kind of perspective of how it's helped open internet so far and things. Right. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I like, I don't have comments on my blog anymore, but like, if I still had comments, like I would be, that would be my responsibility to deal with those, no one, no matter what anybody said. So, yeah. um, like that kind of hits close to home. For me mm, too. Yeah. Well, I used to, <laughs> I worked at the Oregonian for a, sh- a short period and one of the, they did away with the comments, but one of the funnest things that me and my, the, my coworkers, we love reading the comments because they're just wild. <laughs> Never read the comments. I know, but it's just, people are like, it's just wild. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's kind of fun. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It definitely has entertainment value. So long as it's not directly applying to you, or as long as you can create that distance yeah, yeah, yeah. From, the, from the comments, I think there's entertainment. Value. So we were kind of bummed when they did away with them. <laughs> it's probably healthier. Um, a lot of them were, you know, uh, just pure vitriol, you know, yes. there wasn't yeah. a lot of pos- positive uh, things <laughs> going on. Let's talk about some companies of note, maybe. Like, I don't know if you have any companies that you're really excited about or even, you know, evolution of some of the more established tech companies, quote unquote, like Picasa and things. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm there was definitely a lull in activity throughout mm-hmm. the, the last time we talked you know, there were still, we were still kind of on this upward trend. And I feel like since then we've either plateaued or stuff has, has started to quiet down a little bit. And then not to say there aren't still companies here and there that are exciting and new and, and building things. I think, you know, kind of to the earlier comments in our conversation, I think the most exciting things to me currently are the organizations and kind of the community gather like that's where i'm mm. seeing the potential right now yeah. so like you've got you know stephen green with pitch black you've yeah. got new hazel the you know the new executive director at pdx wit you've got uh, pdx women in tech you know you've got these you you've got you've got these transitions in leadership where folks can can do something new or you have these events that have been kind of you know going well for a while but People are really hungry for that community engagement, and this could be the point where they take on a whole new meaning to the yeah. community. And those are the things I'm really tracking on right now. Um, you know, there are new co-working spaces being stood mm-hmm. up. There are new, you know, people thinking about how do we how do we gather and how how does this next generation of people get connected and mm-hmm. and. I think I think that's the exciting part to me because that so much reminds me of the last time we were in a downturn or um, you know even the dot com days was a lot of it had nothing to do with the businesses it was creating the space for those connections serendipity random collisions to occur mm-hmm. and then the exciting stuff starts happening so um, yeah. just seeing the community come together and and these events um you know coming back to kind of in-person gatherings is the is the exciting momentum for me right now that is a great point and i'm just you can feel it from people i talk to people want to do it again yeah, yeah. versus like ah i'm getting invited to another thing it's like well this is a cool opportunity and yeah. so uh, 
I mean, that's a silver lining, hopefully. And, and, you know, talking about, uh, Steven, uh, green and they're, you're going to be, they're going to be doing that out in Beaverton, which yeah. is new. And, you know, I live out towards that way and I think there's a lot to offer out here. So it's cool. Uh, that yeah. And I think, I mean, Beaverton is amazing. Like just how it's changed over the past five years or so has been really incredible. Um, but it's also that, you know, I, I always used to say people don't even like crossing Burnside, let alone going through the West Hills tunnel. And so it's kind of that, it's kind of that olive branch bridge between what, what may be happening in Portland Metro and, you know, giving those Nike folks and Intel folks a a chance to, Mm. to experience some of these things and maybe creating stronger bonds throughout the metropolitan area, which is, which is, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to solve this and kind of create that next generation is, is behaving um, as a more connected community, uh, you know, throughout the region, I think. Well, Rick, our time is flying, flown by as usual. I'd love to have you back on for round three and just, yeah, of thanks, course. Thanks for everything you do. Where, you know, where are some things that you're working on that you'd like people to check out? Thank you. We are first and foremost, we're as a region, the state has um, kind of created this program where getting a bunch of organizations together to figure out how to make the region more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. conducive to connecting and community and that, that it's called a regional innovation hub program and so there're a huge group of us working on that i'm excited about that i think that has some great potential pi will be recruiting a new class come march and cool. and for folks who aren't uh familiar with pi it's really a short term you know, kind of time boxed way for founders to get intensive mentorship on the, on the companies they're building. And so we'll be opening up applications for that. I'm excited about that. And, uh, and of course, Silicon florist, like I, I think the, the primary indicator that I was um, kind of getting back into the flow there was I can feel my snarky kind of tongue in cheek, sarcastic attitude coming back with it, yeah. which I feel is always, <laughs> is always a good sign. And, yeah. and, you know, putting out rants and and things like that, that's like, Oh, I'm kind of, kind of feeling it again. So I love it. Um, I, yeah. I'm really looking forward to continue, uh, continuing in that vein as well. Well, uh, just the regional innovation hub. I think that's the one I saw. I filled out a survey of a yeah. link. I don't know if that's the one. So yes, hopefully folks can, can tr- you know, I thought that was really well done structured and i think it will be hopefully what comes out of that will be very helpful for for small businesses and it's happening throughout the state so there's similar activity in eugene and and bend and other places and so ideally not only do we help region by region but how do we collaborate across regions throughout Mm. the state to ensure that founders get the support that they need yeah well rick thanks so much of course it's always good to see you the PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.